Thank you, Paul. Good morning, everybody. We love the North, let me tell you. This is the 10th visit to Northland this year, various churches around different places, and uh, we just feel like God's got his eye on this part of the country, wants to bless it, wants to do something phenomenal, and uh, that's going to be great. So thank you for the invitation to come. I think we're coming back in February um, at this point. As, uh, I hope you know about that, Paul. You, uh, you don't? Or Tark and I know, so uh, we'll inform you later. <laughs> hey, that conference, uh, one of the speakers is Alan Scott, a Scotsman who ran a great church in Northern Ireland. He's now in the States. Uh, we heard him at a conference last year in the UK. Phenomenal ministry, absolutely outstanding on kingdom transformation and on the power of God being, you know, they were seeing 20 to 30 people saved every day in their church through healing teams on the streets, prison and schoolwork. Uh, phenomenal miracles. Uh, there would have been at least a dozen people uh, healed uh, at conference where their tattoos and birthmarks disappeared. So stuff at that level as well as other healings, of course. So quite, just quite a powerful ministry. So really encourage you, uh, you know, make the effort. Look, really, real blessing in God takes sacrifice. You usually pay a price for the real best blessings. So just pay the price. You know, I know going, traveling a long way and money and accommodation, but just pay the price because you can have a phenomenal encounter with God. So Anyway, enough of that um, to encourage you, and uh, we got something we want to share, so honey, over to you. It's just so wonderful to be back here again, and you know, Sandra, I get moved to tears as well, <laughs> and d during the worship, what was so deeply moving me was um, just seeing what God intends for Northland. For, you know, I was shared in, in, in the school how God's heart is so towards Northland. And I, I will just share a little bit about that later on. But I'm just so reminded that, you know, Jesus' blood, he purchased men and women from every nation, tribe, and tongue and language, and he made them a kingdom of God. And that's what he wants to do. It doesn't matter if you've got, like me, I've got Celtic and Dutch blood in my veins, or if it's Maori or Tongan blood or Indian blood or, or, or Chinese blood. It doesn't matter. God makes us all one kingdom of God people. And, and I just really see him doing a work like that here in Northland, where, where everybody as one together will, will advance the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to share a prophetic word that I feel is for God's people everywhere, um, not just in our nation, but, but in, in um, some other nations where we've been ministering as well. And it's called Release the Raw. In Revelation 5, in the first nine verses, uh, John sees extracts in heaven. Sorry, I'm just getting out of this light. Reflecting. That's better. And, he, and John sees God sitting on the throne, holding a scroll sealed with seven seals. And he wept because there was no one found worthy to open the scroll. And then we read, one of the, the elders then said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Then I saw a lamb standing in the center of the throne. And, and, and the lamb took the scroll 
And then the elders all fell down before the lamb. And take note of this. This is what they were holding. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. One of the spices in the incense was onika. The original Hebrew word for onika is linked to a Hebrew word meaning to roar as a lion. And the, the, this is the prophetic word I received. The first part came actually as a song. Release the roar, release the roar, release the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it was like hearing this, it was like a rhythmical drumming, marching rhythm in the, in the background. And it just came over and over. And then it continued, release the roar of war, release the roar of intercession. Let the roar rise up to the throne of God like incense rising, filling golden bowls, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. And something I really sense, Pastor Paul and Sally Ann for, for Kataya, is I see the establishment of a 24-7 house of prayer for the whole town, all the churches together. I don't know where the, um, the location obviously needs to be a, a permanent location, maybe a church that has, you know, got, got the own premises. But the roar of your intercession carries great power. You need to know this. Because James 4, 5 verse 16 says, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. It is also the roar of victory. The Lion of Judah has triumphed. So release the roar of praise. You know, there's a song, the heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. And John, in Revelation, we see he heard this. He saw this happening a number of times. So here on earth, let the roar of praise rise up continually as it does in heaven. Hebrews 13, 15 says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. You know, there's some of you here today, you, you're facing challenging situations right now. There might be ill health. The financial crises, family members away from God, the loss of a loved one. But sing a song of praise over your circumstances, even when it is a sacrifice of praise. I've shared this once before here, that when I suffered my greatest loss, when my first husband, Ron, we'd been married 28 years, he just suddenly passed away and went to heaven. Um, during that time, the Lord just graced me to keep singing praise to him. And what happened at the five-month mark, God did a sudden miracle. He healed my broken, grieving heart and made it whole and took all the pain away. Praise really does release breakthrough in your life because it enthrows Jesus Christ, the triumphant Lion of Judah, over your life. Praise really does release freedom to you. So release the roar of praise in spite of your circumstances. And I felt God also say this. Know that the raging roars of fear, intimidation, and hopelessness being released from the enemy right now come from a defeated foe. He's trying to roar this all over the show. We have the line's authority to overcome and resist him. Jesus said, I give you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. 
And James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. The line of the tribe of Judah is the true line with the authentic rule. Satan is the copycat with the counterfeit rule. So rule boldly at the situations in your life. Don't just accept them. Some of you need to draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. The spirit of the line of Judah lives in you. And the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. We can't be placid pussycats. This is something I feel the Lord is saying strongly to us today. Rise up and roar. Rise up and roar. Be the lions and lionesses God intended you to be. You know, in Africa, the lion's roar can be heard from five miles away. And he can, he can roar as loud as 114 decibels. That's 25 times louder than a gas-powered lawnmower. And, you know, for some of us, our roar's been silenced, or it's just a little quiet, feeble meow. But I, just something I feel the Lord wants to impart to all of us today is the spirit of the line at a far greater level so that we can release a much louder roar in the spiritual realm. I'm not talking physical. A much louder roar in the spiritual realm that will release ripples through the enemy domain. And then just finally, we need to know that our roar releases the roar of the Lion of Judah. And his roar is so loud it can be heard across an entire nation and beyond. You know, in 2014, at, at um, the first night of during worship at, at, the, at the New Zealand and Beyond Conference, I had a profound vision of Jesus as the Lion of, of the tribe of Judah in his glory. And he said, I'm about to roar over this nation. And then I saw fire come out of his mouth. It was fire for the harvest. And this year again, I've been seeing these visions over, over other nations as well, but over our nation. And Jesus again, shining with his glory fire. And again, he said, I'm about to roar over this nation. And when I do, I will release my fire and my glory. But this time it was different. I heard, I heard this roar come out of his mouth. It was awe-inspiring, and the blast of his breath was like a mighty wind that swept across to the furthest ends of our nation. And the sweeping wind of the Spirit will sweep our land clean, and there'll be a great sweeping in of the unsaved, of the lost, into the kingdom of God. You know, Hosea 11.10 says, they will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his children, all those lost children, will come trembling. And, you know, on Friday afternoon, um, it started, and I felt Jesus say, Northland will feel the blast of my breath. Dry bones will rise up and live. I will raise up an army of burning ones as my fire falls. And um, during the worship, I was getting this picture over Northland of sleeping warriors everywhere, and I saw them just rising up. And God is saying, 
you know, his word says, wake up or wake up and just let's just pray with me. Lord, over the whole of Northland, I call forth the sleeping warriors. Wake up, wake up, oh sleeper. The time has come for you to rise up from your slumber. Rise up, dry bones. We speak and prophesy life. You will live. You will stand up a mighty army. The fire of God, the tongues of fire will fall upon you and you will rise up as one for the kingdom of God in Northland in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, the lion of Judah is roaring with power. Jesus is about to release a new roar of power to his people like in Acts 2.2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind and it filled the whole house and they saw tongues of fire come to rest on each one. So let the cry rise up. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lion of Judah. Release the roar. Release the roar over New Zealand. That's a great word for Northland. You guys want to pick that up and start praying it. You know, every prophetic word is an invitation to intercession. Just because it's spoken doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. It means people have got to mix that with faith. And I love the fact, you know, Northland's full of sleeping warriors. And when they awaken, look out. You know, prayer warriors, men and women of faith, you know, faith roars in the spirit realm. Prayer and, and declaration and praise, it roars. And so I think the Lord's saying, get, get our voice back. If you've got a Bible there or you've got a Bible app on your phone, could you open it up to Acts 16, verse 22, please? Um, just while you're finding that, just to let you know, over morning tea, you'll find there'll be a resource table in the cafe area. We've got some of our books and CDs and DVDs and other great resources there. So do check that out over morning tea. They've been a great blessing to people. Um, just give you a little bit of background while you're still finding that scripture, Acts 16, 22. This is a time Paul and Silas were ministering in Asia, minor, modern-day Turkey, and uh, they had been in a town called Philippi, and uh, there was this slave girl following them around. She had a spirit of uh, fortune-telling in her, and she kept being a pest. And so after about four days, Paul turns around and commands the demonic spirit to come out. And once it's come out, she can no longer do fortune telling and stuff like that. So our owners are mad. They stir up a riot. They get a crowd. And we pick up the story in Acts 16, 22. It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want to talk to you about the song of freedom, and it backs on to what Greta has said. 
I think this is a most remarkable story. Here were two guys, beaten, flogged, humiliated in public, sore, in pain, bleeding, their, their feet in stocks, and they're cast in some smelly, damp, dark dungeon in the worst part of the prison. And what are they doing? It says that they are praying and they are singing hymns to God. What a remarkable response to a horrible situation. And you know, the thing is, God loves our worship all of the time. You know, Jesus said to the woman at the well, the Father seeks worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. And he seeks them because they're not easy to find. A lot of people sing songs. That's different to worshiping. When you worship from your heart, that's worship in spirit and in truth. Anybody can sing a song. And God loves our worship all the time. In fact, uh, in James 5.13, it says, if any is cheerful, let them sing. What great advice. You know, when you're in a season of blessing in God, you know the way to prolong that season of blessing is keep being thankful to the Lord for the blessing. Because what happens is we just enjoy the blessing and forget that He is the one that sent it. And when you stop thanking and blessing Him for the blessing, you know what happens after a while? Blessing lifts off. And you can prolong a season of blessing with a thankful and a worshipful heart. And that's why James says, if any's cheerful, let him sing. But he goes on to say, if anyone is suffering, let them pray and sing. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas were doing. And these other prisoners were listening to them. Because when we begin to worship in the midst of our pain, when we begin to thank God in the midst of our distress and our, the things that are, that are binding us, other people notice your countenance when you go through trials, when you go through trouble, just the same as everyone else in the world, everyone else in this town. We're all, we all experience the troubles of life, but how you how you hold yourself in those times will be noticed. And if you claim to be a believer in Jesus, then even in your pain, if you can sing and praise God, I tell you what, others will notice. Because those prisoners were not abusing Paul and Silas. They were listening quietly. Something was touching their heart. You know, as I said, God loves our worship all the time. But let me tell you, sacrificial praise and worship gets heaven's attention like nothing else. And when you and I begin to worship God in the midst of the difficulties of life, the things that come around us to put chains on us and we're not as free or we're bound by a sickness or we suffer a loss or we go through some torment or some abuse or somebody does something and yet we continue to praise God. I tell you what, heaven bends its ear. The Father bends his ear to the sound of worship that is sacrificial coming up from his children and his heart is moved to have a, to bring forth a response to that sacrificial praise that we are giving. And here it came suddenly. How many know that breakthroughs usually come suddenly? But it's usually in response to the, uh, uh, perhaps a, a fairly maybe lengthy period of time where you've walked in faith, you've prayed, you've roared, you've kept praising God, even though the pain in your life would undermine your ability to sing and praise God. And if you will keep that stance, then there'll always be a suddenly at the end of sacrificial praise. There'll always be a suddenly of heaven breaking in at the end of praise and worship and prayer that is sacrificial in the midst of suffering. Always. 
And notice it says suddenly about midnight. That's pretty typical, isn't it? About midnight. How many have noticed that God seems to wait to the very last minute to bring breakthroughs? It's like, Lord, I needed it yesterday. And, you know, then it comes right at the last minute. It's because he's just stretching your faith. Just grow on your faith. Just saying, will you hang on? Will you keep believing me to the last minute? You know, about midnight. It's like, it wasn't quite midnight. Maybe a few minutes before midnight. It's like God just stretches you out. Just those last few minutes before the breakthrough comes to see whether we're really just going to be fair with the sailors. Because it's easy to worship God when everything's going well. It's easy to bless Him when it's all well. But when it's not all well, that's a different story. And you know, God turned up and there was an earthquake and it says the foundations of the prison were shaken. I love that. It wasn't just the walls, it wasn't just the roof, it was the very foundations of the prison. You know, when God gives you a breakthrough, He'll go for the foundations of the problem that caused you to be imprisoned. He'll go deep. He'll shake that thing out of you so that it's not just the walls, because the devil, if the foundation remains, the devil can come and rebuild the walls of the prison. And you're back to square one. You got free, but now you're back in bondage again. No, no. When God gives a great breakthrough, then he'll go for the foundations and root that thing out so that the devil will never be allowed to build that prison again around your life. And doors flew open, chains fell off. And I believe that God is uh, releasing such power in the earth at the moment that God, that, that people's prisons will collapse. People's chains will fall off. Doors that have been shut in your face will start to open. But it's going to be dependent on whether you can maintain a prayerfulness and a sacrificial praise in the midst of facing that prison every day. I think ideological prisons around the world that trap so many in lies and unbelief, God is going to be shaking that as the church of Jesus Christ prays and sings and worships and blesses God. You know, don't let Satan steal your song. He will try and do that. He was once Lucifer, the most beautiful angel in heaven, and he guarded the very presence of God, and he brought all the worship of heaven and presented it to the Father. He knows the power of worship and praise. Then he rebelled, he became proud, he became Satan or the devil, the adversary, the accuser, the slanderer. That's what one of his name means, accuser or slanderer. And one of the things that the devil will do is you'll try and slander God's reputation to you so that when you go through pain, when you go through difficulty, when things don't work out, he'll whisper in your ear, well, God doesn't seem so caring for you after all, does he? And why isn't God answering that prayer? And Where's God when that happened? Where was God when you got raped? Where was God when you lost that loved one? Where was God when that that family member overdosed on drugs. And he'll slander the, the character of God and get you to believe, yeah, where was God? Maybe God isn't so good after all, but my Bible tells me he's good and what he does is good. And he works all things together for good. You know, God gets blamed for everything. There's a whole lot of stuff that happens in the world that's just because of what sinful people do. That's not God or the devil or whatever, or our own stupid decisions sometimes. We blame God. But don't let God, don't let Satan steal your song because he gets you to believe a lie that God isn't so good. He is a good, good father. You know, it's a bit like Donald Trump. 
like if you read our media, you'd end up hating the guy and so disliking him because everything our media's got to say about the U.S. president is just, just horrible. But if you go to the Christian news websites in America, you find what he's doing. Do you know he's stacking the judiciary with godly Christian judges? There's 240 lower court judges he's appointing at the moment. And uh, whereas Obama appointed liberals and Bush appointed safe people that wouldn't ruffle the waters, he's going for conservatives, many of them godly Christians, stacking the judiciary because he knows those judges will be in place for the next 30, 40 years. Most of his cabinet is Christian, born again Christian. Media won't tell you that because they're telling a bunch of lies because they're all liberals, half of them. And they'll therefore spin their liberalism and they'll hate conservatism. And all I'm using that as a typical example. This is exactly what the devil will do. He'll put spin, he'll put lies to accuse the character of God, to shut down your voice, to silence your song. Well, why should I praise God? He's not so good. Why should I, you know, Trump, he's such a terrible president. No, he's not. You know, just, just, just. Pray for the man. Amen. I don't like everything he does. I don't like everything he tweets. But listen, God's put him there. And he's doing a good job in certain areas. Oh, it's gone quiet in the room. You know, some, sometimes, guys, I'm prophetic. I just, we, we just hear from heaven. You know, God put him there. That's what we believe. And, uh, and sometimes you've got to get out of the political and into the prophetic. So you let go your offendedness in, in the political realm. And you say, well, what is heaven actually saying? And it doesn't matter what we think politically. It's what he, he is saying prophetically. And you know, when my first wife, Jane, passed away, um, there was a particular song that became very meaningful to me because as Greta experienced when she lost Ron and when I lost Jane, um, my first wife, and we've got books on it out there, um, you know, you, you go through this crushing, it's like you're imprisoned in grief. It's like it's all dark. It's like every day you wake up, it's just dark because you've suffered this loss. You know, I was married 30 years to Jane. It's like you just split. It's like you just lose. Half of you's gone. And so you're in this prison every day. You feel like you're chained. You feel like your feet are in stocks. You can hardly put one foot in front of another. And you know, well, how do I get through this? And one of the things uh, I had to learn and Greta had to learn to do was we were going to praise God. We were going to bless God. Didn't understand why all these things had happened, but we were going to bless God. And Matt Redman's song, Blessed Be Your Name, became very real. You know, and he wrote that song because he and his wife lost a child, lost a baby. And he wrote that song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. You know, in the good times and the bad times, you know, when everything's going well, I'll praise Him. But when everything's not going well, I'll also praise Him. And we, we sung that song and Greta sung that song every day. And I began to just worship God. I began to every day just not praise so much, but just listen to worship music. And, and you know what was happening for weeks as I began to worship and sing uh, the winter of my imprisonment started to change to a spring season. And I began to see new buds and new blossoms coming into my soul. And, and the, the season began to change from a deep, dark, cold winter to a warming spring. And some 
40 verse 3 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Wow, that's what God was doing. And you know what? God put a new song in Greater and Me, but we had to choose to sing first despite not feeling like it. But then our feelings began to catch up with our decision to praise Him. And so that new spring season started to dawn in our soul. And you know, now we just go around the world uh, into different nations, and basically what we share out of the Word is our testimony. It's kind of like, because we've suffered, we have credibility to speak into the suffering of others. I can stand here today and say, whatever you've gone through, I may not have suffered exactly the same as you, but I've suffered enough in my 40 years of Christian uh, Christianity to be able to look you in the eye and say, God is a good God, and there's no there's no debate with that, and he'll get you through, and whatever you're going through, he's faithful, and I can stand here, and as a young pastor, I couldn't, because people say, oh, you haven't suffered much. What do you know? But now, after 40 years of suffering, I know a whole lot, and I can just stand here and say, blow what you think. I can just tell you how it is. Hallelujah. And you either say, yeah, I'll get that, or you go on in your misery and stay imprisoned. Because you haven't got the guts and courage to begin to praise God in your pain. Because it takes guts and it takes courage and it takes something of heaven to not wimp out when life gets really tough. You don't mind me speaking straight, do you? Okay, that's good. I'll keep doing it then. No. (laughs) You know, I believe the world is going into a winter right now. There's so many problems out there. But while the world is going in winter, God is bringing the church into spring. Like the season is different for the people of God. It's like in Egypt. The Egyptians had darkness, but the Israelites had light. The Egyptian had plague, but the Israelites, they had blessing and health. The Egyptians had death, but the Israelites had freedom. The world's going into winter, but the church is going into spring because While the world is in winter, it'll be groaning, but while the church is in spring, it'll be singing. And at some point, a groaning world will hear a singing church and say, how come you guys can sing in the midst of all that's happening in the world? It's because we know Jesus, hallelujah. We know that heaven is gonna break in upon earth. We know he's coming back. It will not always be like that. This is why we sing. And even if you're now in winter in your soul because of things that have been happening to you, Don't wait for spring to come before you start singing. Start singing and spring will come. That's how it always works. Psalm 42, 5, the psalmist says, Why be downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my God and my rock. You know, when Jane was in a wheelchair for 21 years and I was her caregiver for 16 years, Many a day I'd wake up and think, Lord, this is tough. And I'd have to say to myself, I'd quote this, Lord, I'd say to myself, David, why be downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. 
I will yet praise Him, my God and my rock. That day is coming, and Lord, you're going to put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in you. Wow. Lamentations 3.41 says, Let us lift up our heart with our hands to God in heaven. That's one of the reasons when we're worshiping, we lift up our hands. Did you know that? That's not just a Pentecostal thing. That's a biblical thing. And, you know, we lift up our hands. Why? Because when your hands are lifted up, that's a, that's a sign of blessing. You're actually blessing God. But the other thing, according to Lamentations, when you lift your ha- heart, hands up, you're actually exposing your heart to God. It's like this is this openness that comes because you're opening your hands. And I look around Christians and churches. I see so many lazy Christians in worship. Can't even be bothered to lift their hands anymore. Maybe you've not been understood what that was about. But when you do, you know, sometimes I haven't felt like worshiping. I haven't felt like singing in church or at home. And so, But when I find I'm going to deliberately raise my hands anyway, I find my heart opens. I begin to sing. Something begins to change on the inside because I'm lifting up my heart with my hands to the throne of God and saying, Lord, I'm trusting you anyway. I'm blessing you anyway. That was good preaching right there. That was good preaching. All right. Okay. Well, I thought it was good anyway. You might not think it's good. You might be just waiting for the donuts out there or whatever you've got. How many have heard that um, old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? Yeah, okay, I don't know if you know the background to it, but it was written by a man called Horatio Spafford. He was a Chicago businessman, owned a lot of property in the city of Chicago, was a very wealthy man, had five children, four daughters, one son. In 1872, his son died as a young man from some disease. I may have, might have been tuberculosis or something like that. And so his, his family grieved. And they were pretty heartbroken and... Uh, and they kind of got through it and they said, oh, look, well, you know, it's been such a tough time losing our son. Uh, we're just going to maybe uh, have a little holiday in Europe. And they were friends with evangelist Deal Moody. He was ministering in Europe. You know, we'll go to Europe and we'll follow Deal Moody around in his meetings and pray and we'll have a bit of a break. And so they planned in 1873 to sail to Britain from Chicago and begin their European holiday. And just before they left, There was a great fire in Chicago that just about burned the entire city down. And Spafford lost all his properties. He was a property developer. He lost all his properties. I don't think they had insurance back then, so it was a big loss. So he said to his wife, he said, look, you take our four daughters, you go to Britain, and I'll stay behind and try to tidy up these business affairs, and I will join you later. And so Spafford's wife and the four daughters set out on a ship across the Atlantic. And as they are traveling across the Atlantic, they are struck by another ship and their ship sinks. And 226 people drown and lose their lives, including Spafford's four daughters. They all drown. The wife is spared. She's managed to cling to something and then she's rescued by a ship and taken to Great Britain. And when she gets to Britain, she telegraphs her husband with a telegraph that began with saved alone, saved alone. And Spafford gets that telegram and he, try, he, tries, he gets a ticket on the next ship out to Britain to join her. And as they're sailing the same route, um, you know, the captain kindly knows this bit of the story and he says, look, we'll be passing over the spot where the ship went down. We'll, we'll slow down if you'd like to 
you know, if you'd like to say something or, you know, just have a moment of quiet, etc. So while he's traveling across the Atlantic, Horatio Spafford writes the words to the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Let me just read you one verse of it. When peace, like a river, attends my way. In other words, when everything's going well. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. In other words, when sorrows come in like huge waves. Whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He wrote it as he passed over the watery grave of his four daughters. He wrote it with the loss of all his property in mind. He wrote it with the loss of his son in his mind. He writes, it is well, it is well with my soul. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe not as bad as Spafford, I hope. But my challenge to you is, get your song back, get your roar back, roar again, sing again, it is well. Because when you do, your prison will break open and grief can't imprison you, abuse can't imprison you, depression can't imprison you, sickness can't imprison you, the harsh and unkind words of others can't imprison you, their hatred towards you can't imprison you. The only thing that will imprison you is you yourself because you can choose to get out of prison by praising and worshiping a loving God even when your circumstances haven't yet changed. We're going to come, and if the music team like to get ready right now, we're going to come and sing that great song again, Spirit Break Out, because I feel like today that God wants to give breakthroughs, um, and I'm not promising all of them will be immediate, just as in this meeting, but I feel like it's like eggs. I feel like in the days to come, breakthroughs are going to hatch out from today. I feel like seeds of breakthrough are going to be sown into our lives this morning that will cause a harvest of breakthroughs and that prison walls are going to come down. But just before we sing, one of the greatest prison walls that traps people is unforgiven sin. That when our sin is never confessed to God, you know, the wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that sin is so bad that if you die, it'll imprison you in hell for eternity. And God doesn't want you there. It says like the Bible says, He's not willing that any perish, but that all would come to have everlasting life. The Bible also says, as many that receive Jesus who believe in His name, He gives them power to become children of God. Wow. And so I'd like to create an opportunity for people here today to receive the Lord Jesus, to believe that He died on a cross for you so that your sin could be forgiven. You'll never be good enough to get right with God. Nobody on planet earth is good enough to get right with a holy God. He has to gift you salvation and He gifts you salvation and forgiveness of your sins when you turn to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you. Couldn't we just close our eyes to help us concentrate right now? And I'm going to simply ask you, if you know that you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, 
If you know that you need to ask Him to forgive you, or uh, maybe it's the first time you've ever done that, or maybe you once walked with God years ago, but you've walked right away from God and you know that you need to come back to Him this morning. I'm gonna ask you, as I just scan the room and people have got their eyes shut, concentrating and praying, if that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to Jesus this morning, could you just quickly raise your hand? Just where you're sitting, just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus or I'm coming back to Him. Just quickly raise your hand right now. God bless you, son. Thank you. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand. Just raise it up. Sometimes fear will stop you at this moment because the devil doesn't want you to do this. Fear will stop you. And you gotta overcome that fear of what other people will think. Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father. But if you're ashamed of me before people, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. So don't worry about what others think. Don't let the voice of fear stop you. I'm just gonna scan the room one last time. If that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to Him. You just quickly throw your hand in the air right now as I look around. Okay, God bless you, sir. All right, let's all stand. I don't see anyone apart from the two that have raised their hands. We're going to all pray that prayer together. And those two people that raised your hands, um, A, I'd love to see you at the end of the meeting. So please, at the end of the meeting, come forward. We'd love to pray with you. But right now, could we, we're going to all pray this prayer. And those two, you especially pray it. Here we go. Pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me all my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, and I turn from them. And I believe you died on a cross for me and rose again from the dead. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. And now open the door of my heart and ask you to come in and live in me. I now receive you. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my days. Amen. Oh, that miracle's happened. We're going to sing this song. I know time is, is gone no longer than you normally do, but um, I think we started a bit late, so I'm taking license. And uh, so we just go another five minutes or so because I feel as, I don't know what your prison is this morning, but I believe as you lift it up to the Lord, as you sing this song, asking Holy Spirit, break out, break out in my life. And it, one part of it says, our Father, all of heaven roars your name. Hey, maybe you need to get your roar back this morning and roar at your circumstances. Roar at what the enemy's done in your family. Roar at that prison and praise God. Come on, let's sing it with all our hearts. Then we'll come back and pray.